Hello, and welcome back to Lumis Maxima. I'm Hosera. And I'm Delaney. And we are back with part two of our stereotypes in society in Harry Potter. It's not even a mini-series. It was just too much to put into one episode. <laughs> yeah. We, just a two-parter. It's just a two-parter. It's just... It's twice as ba- much bang for your buck, even though Woo-hoo. we don't get paid to do this podcast. We have been given the option to monetize it lately, recently, mm-hmm. um, and we opted not to. So that's fine because, guys, we just don't have we just don't have that kind of podcast yet. But one day, no. if we do, we will make really cool T-shirts. So get your friends to listen, <laughs> and then you can have merchandise. Woohoo! <laughs> We have a couple things to touch on before we jump in. As a refresher, last week we talked about centaurs, giants, goblins, and vampires. And it was a fire episode. We've got really good feedback about that. We do have a little bit of a preface, which I guess we should have thrown in last week. And that is that we are middle-class white women talking about <laughs> oppressed individuals and yeah. sections of society Clearly, there are things that we will be sensitive to, even though it's a fictional world, because there are a lot of parallels to our actual society. But we in no way can personally identify with the majority of what happens to oppressed individuals. Now, we are still women, so we have faced our own issues with society, but we don't pretend to be experts on any of this. These are just social issues that we see within the text that we feel are obviously wrong and we want to talk about. So that's our first thing. Our second thing, we're going to dive into the pensieve a little because we had so many questions about goblins last week. So I've done a little goblin research. Uh, Turns out there's not a ton about it. I mean, obviously there's some goblin history, but basically um, back around the same time as the founders of Hogwarts, specifically Godric Gryffindor, there was a really powerful goblin king. And he was the finest silversmith that existed. So he was commissioned by Gryffindor to make the sword of Gryffindor. Super cool. But by the time he finished the sword, the king, his name was like Ragnuk, I think, the first. Anyways, not 100% sure. It sounds very Nordic to me. All the names are very Nordic. Um, But by the time he finished the sword, he wanted it because he liked it so much. And so Mm. that is what set off the tension between goblins and wizards, as far as I can tell. There okay. have been a number of rebellions since the time that they became subservient as a group. Most of the rebellion is because wizards actually forbid goblins from having wands, which oh. goblins don't need wands to produce magic, unlike a majority of wizards. But they are not allowed to have wands. Um, and they could get too powerful. I think so. Um, so they also, they do have a little bit of government representation, which was another question we had. There's a, quote, Ooh. goblin liaison office that's in the Department for Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Now, it doesn't really go in depth on what type of representation they actually have. I, yeah. I feel like it might be more of just an office of names more than anything else. Yeah, I was um, going to say, like, a liaison is not exactly a lot of Right, yeah, there's, there's also a muggle relations liaison, so let's yeah. just put that in air quotes. And and we talked about the requirements to become a muggle uh, liaison. Yeah, so. you take a muggle studies 
like one and two and then you have to have an outgoing personality yeah (laughs) so so it's not comprehensive um and basically because the goblins were so talented with being metalsmiths and um their silver work they actually mine and mint all of the coins for resident currency, which was another question that we had, which was cool. So they do actually make it. And then because they were so skilled at making it, they obviously became very involved in money and finances and the economy. And that's how they ended up running Gringotts. So it is, it is a little twofold. Last week, you're like, well, I don't know, maybe Wizards is just like really bad at finance. That is true. They are. They're really bad with money. And then also... (laughs) The goblins are really good with money. And basically, the goblins believe that um, wizards can't be trusted with gold and treasure because they don't have any respect over, like, ownership of things that come from the earth. So right. that whole thing. Sounds about right. Honestly. So that's a little bit more on the history of it. Goblins, um, they've been involved in a lot of wizarding wars. They were very involved in the first wizarding war, which is Voldemort in, like, the 70s. Mm-hmm. when it started um, rising. And then obviously they were also very involved in the second wizarding war, much to their dismay. They didn't want to be a part of it. They had their own language and everything. So very involved. But anyways, that's a little more in goblin history. We said what we were going to hit you were they on in the first one. In the first one, they happened to just be casualties of war. That's they were, they were uninvolved in the second one. They pick sides yeah. and there were some on, on both sides. So yeah. Okay. That was pretty I cool. Figured. Yeah, interesting. So they didn't seem like the type to just be like, okay, we're gonna pick one side. Yeah, they we're in like this neutral. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this week's wizarding question is actually just a preferential question for us. Would you rather be a goblin or a wizard? Like, would you rather have goblin magic or wizarding magic? Um it's a good question. Because obviously the goblins can do magic pretty easily without a wand, so mm-hmm. that's pretty badass. I think I would go with wizarding magic because they're able to do whatever they want. But if it was equal playing fields and goblins were able to perform their magic to the fullest extent of their potential, which from what I've read seems like it's significantly more than wizards on, like yeah. a, on an average basis, I would want goblin magic. Man, they seem yeah. like they are like very powerful very cool yeah if it was purely on the magical it would probably be goblin but Mm -hmm. like taking into account all the societal things yeah yeah so yeah if that doesn't show you they're significantly more powerful and we still don't want their magic that shows you something's going on yep for sure we are gonna hit on all sorts of good stuff today we've got house elves werewolves merpeople velas and half-blood squibs muggles kind of all lumped into one so we've got a ton to cover today. So without further ado, part two of Stereotypes and Societies in Harry Potter. Let's do it. Boom. First one on the list, strikingly similar to goblins in so many ways, is house elves. Yeah, very similar. House elves are one of the most obviously oppressed groups in the entire series, mm-hmm. by far. Yeah. They're also yeah. one of the most visible groups in terms of oppression in the series. So, and like you said, also like goblins, they can do magic. They, they can don't do, actually need wands. They can do very powerful magic. We yeah. see an instance of wizard versus house elf magic in Chamber of Secrets with Dobby. And I 
I feel very strongly that one day if all of these oppressed groups decided they were done, it would just take one group, like just the house elves revolt or just the goblins revolt. Although the goblins have apparently had rebellions in the past that were unsuccessful. I don't know how. Maybe they didn't get enough people on board. I don't know. But house elves are in what we consider to be slavery. There are a lot of people that argue it's much more similar to indentured servitude. But I think that's bullshit um i don't think that indentured servitude implies that you will be free after a certain amount of years right indentured that's servitude not true with elf is also voluntary you enter in a yeah. so you enter in a formal contract with the person that you're working for and right. then you know after generally it was seven years i think you uh-huh. would be you would be released from that contract now right. there are a lot of instances in history where people entered an indentured servitude and it progressed very quickly to slavery Right. And they but, they were unable to get out of it. Um, but, but but no, it, like you said, indentured servitude implies a, so you enter into a contract voluntarily, mm-hmm. and so after so many years, you're supposed to be freed. House elves can't be freed unless their master frees them. That is right. called slavery. Right. And obviously, we know house elves are only freed if they're given clothes by yeah. their masters. And I mean, this this the fact that they have to be given something by a quote master to then be right. set free implies that they it's are slavery. not free. Uh, yeah. to begin with so right we see a ton of instances of house elf abuse we oh, see yeah. a lot of instances of deprivation of finances possessions and food um it's it's bad you read it and i mean the first time we meet dobby he has been so ingrained to believe that he has to do everything that the malfoys say that he's self-punishing based yeah. on what he thinks the malfoys would do if they were there so right. and we see that with winky too Later on, we see that with almost, we see it with Creature. We see it with all the house elves that we have exposure to. And we do have exposure actually to three very different, very important house elves to the story. So, And and I would say that maybe the only difference is some of the other like Hogwarts house elves, they don't seem to be abused or anything. They kind of just do their thing Mm -hmm. outside of like the Mm -hmm. eyes of everybody else. So I think that's one of the only instances where we don't see it as like necessarily an abusive thing. But obviously... And Probably some of them could do other things and they yeah. don't get paid. And so. no, they don't. Although the house elves that work at Hogwarts, we'll, we'll start with them. They're in a very like niche situation where yeah. Dumbledore is like, well, I'm, we're not even sure that Dumbledore could free them if he wanted to because sure. they, I don't want to use the word belong, but they belong to Hogwarts. So right. we get the idea that maybe Dumbledore could because it's, it, the power passes each headmaster, but yeah. there's also a lot of very unique characteristics of Hogwarts as a school that it really does have its own personality. And yeah. so that whole thing's kind of muddy. But they, there are instances where Dumbledore talks about, well, he would like to pay them, but it would yeah. freak them out. He's like, just look at what's happening to Winky right now. Like, that's the reason why we haven't done it. So the house elves at Hogwarts are, for all intents and purposes, treated very well for their situation. That yeah. doesn't make it right. And a lot of, like, I think Dumbledore recognizes that the whole house elf system is kind of fucked up. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, we can't just, quote, free them, though, because they'll all become alcoholics, like Winky. Right. Which is something, we've actually talked about it before, where it would take take a really long time. It does take a really long time to take a group of individuals who are oppressed and in slavery and then help them to assimilate to normal society because a lot of the actions and daily tasks are so ingrained that they lose kind of that 
that role identification that they have. And right. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't push for that. That doesn't mean that it's right. But we do see an instance where Dumbledore recognizes that it's not an ideal situation, but they all seem pretty happy. They're not oppressed here. You know, they kind of do what they want, but it right. would be, it would be huge to just say, okay, you all don't work here anymore because you're all free. So right <clears throat> now we see two examples of truly freed house elves. Mm-hmm. One is Dobby who is accidentally set free because Harry kind of schemes it. And then the other is Winky who is set free in quotes. She's fired, which is actually being set free for most house elves. So Dobby is the house elf of the Malfoys, which automatically made his character like super interesting because he still wanted to help Harry despite the clear tension. Um, But he He's very happy to be freed. He's a very independent house elf as far as house elves go. And he, yeah. he doesn't want to do anything different. No, so he, he just wants to be paid for it. Right. So he goes to Hogwarts and he tells Dumbledore, he's like, well, he's not a good negotiator. And I think we've mentioned this no, before too, but Dumbledore says, you know, I'll give you 25 sickles a week. And Tommy's like, I'll take 10. <laughs> so yeah, like, uh... you're like, okay. <laughs> But he he makes his own decisions. He sets his own work schedule and he gets paid. So Dobby assimilates I think as well as he could with no assistance. Right. He, yeah. he doesn't want to do anything different. And I don't know a lot about the history of house elves. I don't know if they've always been a service based entity where I, I mean, I would assume so they're I, called house elves. Right. So yeah. So from so. like very early time, I don't know how that ended up being. So I'll hit you guys up next week with how house elves ended up in their roles. If that information is in fact out there, but it seems like all house elves, yeah want to be want in air quotes like they have been programmed to want to do house elf things so yeah then we've got yeah. winky <laughs> and Oof. oh poor winky so winky yeah. is the house elf for the crouch family and she is she supposedly commits a crime using a wizard's wand and so it's so disgraceful for the crouch family that they set her free aka fire her She does not take it well. Winky has been so, I'm going to say brainwashed into thinking that this is her role, that she becomes an alcoholic. She goes to work at Hogwarts, just like pretty much it seems like every freed house elf goes to Hogwarts, which would make you think that Hogwarts was like a little bit of a sanctuary for house elves if they all end up there. Um, But she goes to work at Hogwarts. She pretty much just, she cries the whole time about being cast out from her family and she becomes yeah. an alcoholic she drinks a lot of butterbeer she's always portrayed as hiccuping from her drinking yeah. so that's tough but yeah. house elves there are a ton of them and house elves is one of these oppressive minorities or oppressed minorities that even the weasleys buy into a little bit because we see instances of molly weasley who, I mean, we've talked about the Weasley family is easily one of the most tolerant, inclusive, accepting, forward-thinking, liberal Mm -hmm. families, wishes that she had a house elf. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting. And it's interesting because obviously Hermione gets very involved with the house elves. And I think we've talked about this before too, where she wants to just free them. And as smart as she is, doesn't recognize that a, a carte blanche, no more slavery for the house elves would could be, be catastrophic it would for be, some of them. It would be detrimental to the entire population of house elves. And yeah. 
obviously we see a ton of tension between Ron and Hermione in terms of house elves, but it also shows us that, so Harry and Hermione grew up in the muggle world where Mm -hmm. slavery had for the most part at that point in time, although not completely become an idea that society said, Hey, you know, actually that is bad. And so they're very uncomfortable with it. And then we've got Ron who grew up in a world that it's kind of the norm for people to have house elves. So we see that tension that even though the trio is fairly accepting and forward thinking there's, it's so ingrained in wizarding society. This is one of the deepest um, oppressive natures that the wizarding society has is with house elves. So I don't pretend to have any solutions to slavery. I, I'm very thankful to have been born into a time where a lot of places around the globe have decided it's wrong and they're working towards it because it's, I look back at things that were happening in like the early 1900s in the United States and think, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I look at the 1960s and the civil rights movement and I think, how did anyone ever think that people weren't all equal? It just blows blows my mind. And I don't, it's difficult because... House elves and goblins, although they are human-like, they're considered humanoid creatures. And so there's always that weird, are they more animal or human? You know, if they are animal, is it really that wrong? Because, you know, we have like working dogs and working horses. And I I think that house elves and goblins are way beyond that. Yeah, they are. They are. They're humanoid, which means that we acknowledge them as being at least in some capacity human. Yeah. Slavery is bad, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the gist of it. And Slavery is bad. Um, and it's difficult to deal with. Like, even Dumbledore is like, I know it's wrong, but I also don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so. and, but it, it, that was a really nice acknowledgement, I think, on yeah. J.K.'s part to show that who we assume as the most intelligent, most powerful person in the series looks at an issue and says, I know it's wrong, but I don't know how to fix it what the because way to go is because that's a reality yeah and i think it's because the morality of it is very black and white it is wrong period right but the actual like solution to the problem is anything but black and white it's so complex and i think that there's a lot of things in this world that you can see where the morality of the issue is very clear it's but so the solution clear. is not mm-hmm so, and I think we look over that a lot. The solution isn't clear because we know the morality is clear. So yeah. it's, it's definitely a complex thing that I'm glad she put in. I think, it's, I think it's cool that she was able to show that. Yes. And so when we talk about JK and social issues, there are a lot of issues that were totally left out of her book. Yeah. And the reason why I, as a reader, never really questioned it was because there were a lot of social issues that she decided to tackle. So yeah. She can't tackle all of them. Right, she can't tackle all of them. No one social issue is more or less important. Everything is important to someone. But there are a lot of things that I think she she does a good acknowledgement of, so. Yeah, and I mean, she didn't have to. She already has all these complex storylines, but Mm -hmm. she wanted to put in all these different social issues, and I think that's commendable, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So. So, next up, obviously, one of the things that we talk about most on this podcast is the oppression of werewolves. Yeah. Ugh, guys, we still don't get it. No. So werewolves are some subsection of magical being. Um, werewolves are not, from what I've read when I was trying to do some research on this, which is very spotty, um, werewolves are not considered human once they have been bitten by a werewolf and have to become a werewolf. That's so nuts. They're no longer me. they're no longer human beings. 
Um, and so that may be where some of the distinction is. I haven't found anything regarding vampire that says that vampires like are what they are kind of thing. Um, so it's, okay. it's, pretty, it's pretty much unknown if any of the myths and legends around vampires are like true that the muggles think of, but there are yeah. actually, we don't know that they're accurate or not accurate about vampires in the wizarding world. Okay. If, that, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but I yeah. mean, it's just and, nuts to me that someone who's like half Vila is still considered human, but like a werewolf isn't okay. Whatever. <clears throat> well, so we do know that vampires can have babies with humans because an instance of another vampire that I totally just did not read about really all that much, but um, there's a singer, a wizarding singer who's half vampire. Oh, Lorcan. Really? Death is a half vampire singer. Um, so that's pretty cool. I guess. But for some reason, she's human, but a werewolf isn't. Okay, whatever. Yeah, and then it just... So this is, like, the actual quote from the Harry Potter fandom. Um, little is known about vampires in JK's work. It's completely unknown if it's possible for a person to be born a vampire or if they have to be turned into one when they're bitten, much like werewolves. Okay. okay. They also don't know if you could kill a vampire with a killing curse. Oh. And then... It says that JK didn't include vampires very prominently in the series because she felt like she could add little to the already rich vampire myth and because vampires are primarily from Eastern Europe rather than the British folklore that she primarily drew from. Gotcha. Gotcha. So so there is a society for the tolerance of vampires. And then there's also campaigns within the government to stamp out the vampires, which I guess Rita Skeeter wrote about some. So vampires are, they seem to be like a social issue where people think like either no vampires are cool or no vampires are bad. Werewolves are... Everybody thinks they're bad. (laughs) Everyone thinks they're bad. So in order to become a werewolf, you have to be bitten by someone that was already a werewolf. I don't know where the first werewolf came from. Yeah, that's always a question. No idea. So maybe I'll bring, I'll look that up for next week. But there is, um, there's just a huge outrage in general whenever someone who's a werewolf exists. Like, obviously, Lupin becomes an Mm -hmm. instructor in the third, in Harry's third year. He teaches Defense Against the Dark Arts. Extremely competent, caring, amazing teacher. Probably the best year of education they got. Easily. And... Everything is fine. He's taking basically medication to suppress his his werewolfness. He doesn't yeah. hurt anyone, but as soon as parents find out about it, it's outrage. He's gone. Yeah. He's out of there. And mm. their werewolves are thought of as being super, super dangerous, which fair, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because the uh, most of the time when we get the picture of the werewolf, I mean, we see a scene of Lupin turning into a werewolf when he hasn't been taking his potion, and he's completely uncontrollable. You can't you can't talk to him. However, there are prophylactic measures for werewolfness that made him completely controlled. So they they face oppression in a way that a lot of other minority groups in Harry Potter don't. The biggest yeah. one that I see is that they're not allowed to get married. That's insane to me. What? That's 
that's insane that they're not allowed to marry. That's why Tonks and Lupin live kind of on the lam most of the time. Like, they now, don't. So, obviously, they're not allowed to marry witches and wizards. Are they mm-hmm. allowed to marry each other? Like, are two werewolves allowed to get married? I mean, there are werewolves who kind of live in packs, I guess. And yeah. I assume that they have some sort of personal marriage, something or other. Yeah, I would yeah. think so. Yeah, I would, think, I would so. think so too. I think it's probably even they're probably more concerned about them marrying witches and wizards. Yeah, because and it like, was when uh, Tonks, so Tonks and Lupin get married, and then like somewhere in the sixth end of six, beginning of seven, and when the when the minister of magic comes around, they're like, "We gotta go now." <laughs> yeah, we, we outie. <laughs> so yikes, <clears throat> big yikes, and yeah, it's just it's just one of those things that just baffles us that for some reason this subsection of still humanoids are I mean human what twenty nine days a month yeah <laughs> kind of thing yeah are so oppressed and I don't know if it's because people see them as being super dangerous which is probably fair but also a very narrow view or if people see them as dirty which kind of gets into the idea that so Rowling talks about how Lupin's story his background his whole circumstance was a chance for her to quote explore how the wizarding world is so prone to stereotypes and prejudices which beautiful that that is acknowledged the main connection that's been drawn with this bloodborne illness is hiv and aids and werewolves and i i I don't think she set out to do that but i mean i think she kind of set out something similar yeah i think she i mean if you if you look at the parallel one the time frame it's so paralleled um but also just being outcast from society for something that's really only contagious in a very, very small way. Like you can princess Diana's famous, like you can hug them and shake their hands. Lord knows they need it. Like you're not going to get it unless you are exchanging blood or bodily fluids. So, I mean, the same idea with werewolves, you're, you can hang out with someone that's a werewolf and it's totally cool. If you get bit though, you know, then it's, that's how it happens. Um, Right. A lot of the same societal shunnings not really getting married not being able to be in the workplace not being able to be around children so yeah i don't know if it was intentional but those parallels are there the parallels are definitely there definitely there um we love lupin oh i love him he's one of my favorite characters so that's what i have to say about werewolves we've talked about them a lot in recent episodes so we probably won't get too much into them on this episode but yeah. Just something that blows our mind. I'm going to have to do a little more werewolf Real. research. Yeah. It, yeah, it just doesn't make sense <clears> to me. <throat> Especially compared to some of the other um, humanoid kind of things. I know. I no, mean, obviously, like, they, house elves, but... they hang out with, like, goblins run the banking system. Yeah. Guys, and werewolves can't get married. And vampires can come to parties, and it's chill, and everybody's, and, like, and they're they, super excited. They sell food products in public areas catered to yeah. vampires. Okay. Yeah whatever Whew. so next one not a lot on him but mer people yeah another humanoid although mer, i think the so. the wizard mer people and our mer people very different modern yeah. mermaids for us are like pretty with seashell boobies and, and long like, hair yeah they're um, like half human right. kind of like centaurs like half human half fish yeah it. so the og mermaids were scary guys Yes, they were scary. They used to kill people, which fits, I think, her mer people a lot better. So if you go back like five hundred years, mermaids were 
really terrifying sea creatures. Yeah. Um, obviously, we only see one group of mer people. I don't know if they exist elsewhere in the Harry Potter world. I'm sure I would they think do. so. They yeah. live in the Black Lake with the giant octopus. So they live mm-hmm. in the same area, but really separate worlds. Yeah, it is. They seem to have to follow really strict wizarding laws. And like all these other groups, they do fall under their jurisdiction, mm-hmm. which is interesting because how are you going to get that many wizards underwater to like do anything about it? <laughs> For real. Like, who's going to do anything it, about these mer people in this it, water? It took, like, four months for three people to figure out how to, to be out there for one hour. And it, and it hour. took Harry, yeah, and Harry, it took him, like, yeah, like, for three months or whatever to even figure out that there were mer people in the Black and, Lake. Yeah, so. So. <laughs> maybe Harry's just not that bright. Who knows? I mean, that's possible. <laughs> um, We can't really talk a whole lot about their oppression, mostly because we don't know much about them. Yeah. However... We see them during the Triwizard Tournament, and they're basically just forced to participate, and then wizards go into their home, make a mess, and then leave. Yeah. So and we know that um, Harry was, like, fighting them. Yeah, he was fighting. So... Well, he wasn't following the rules. Of course they were going to get finicky. But yeah, basically, but... they have to follow all the wizarding laws, and it seems like wizards can kind of tell them, you have to do this, which is bad. Yes. Yes, it is. But I don't really have a whole lot to say about them because, like... We don't know much. We don't we don't see a whole lot of them, so... But, I mean, I'm sure it's similar to the way that um, centaurs are treated, I imagine. I, yeah, I would think so, because they do live very separately. Um, but, again, as the government constricts and constricts and constricts, things get pushed closer and closer together. And so the lines yeah. that were so large and separated all these different worlds get very very narrow very yeah. quick so yeah and like and like centaurs and giants and everything it seems <clears> like <throat> they probably have their own culture that's... absolutely they've got a leader they've got a system of government they have yeah. their own language i mean yeah it's just that the wizards are like all of that means nothing when we tell you something to well, do this, this so. is just so or like all of this is so early man for me where one group happened to consolidate power Faster. basically quicker <laughs> yeah and so yeah. all these other groups are perfectly viable have their own right. societal structure money language etc but one happened to have guns while they still had bows and arrows basically yeah and so and they just, somehow and they weren't trying to take over anybody they were like we're fine we're yeah, good. they're like, and no, then... we literally live underwater. You guys don't even come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Whew. so yeah. now we're kind of getting into our oppressed but not oppressed, which I don't think we explained that super well last week. This doesn't mean that these groups don't face oppression. This just oh, means no, no, that no. these groups have a very unique sense of oppression in which they can still assimilate and live in society very normally. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of bias that they work against, but yeah, our our but one like, for last week was vampires. Yeah, and obviously. Like, un- yeah, and and unlike some things like werewolf, like some of the stereotypes for these other groups aren't necessarily bad. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the distinctions too. Is that like there is nothing, no good stereotypes about werewolves, but there are about velas and vampires. Right. So, so what I'm noticing is that. The things that are pretty tend to be less oppressed. Vampires yeah, are pretty, velas are pretty, and yeah. squibs and half-bloods and muggle-borns are all normal-looking. Right. Yeah. So, Sounds nah. about right. So, yeah, we tend to fear things that we don't understand. 
Gee, so new concepts everywhere. Ooh, yeah. We've never heard that before. Nope. So Vila's. We get yeah. a lot of Vila exposure, actually. We do, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One, because a character who marries into the Weasley family is a quarter Vila and very yeah. proud. And then also yeah. we have a large display of Vila's at the um, World Cup. So and the Triwizard Tournament isn't the Bobatin Academy like Vila's and the Triwizard Tournament. I don't. There are Vila's there. I don't know if it's exclusively Vila, Vila's? but they yeah. there are Vila's there. Yeah, and you know, they, in the movie they're like, huh, and they like swoop their hands, and all the boys are like, uh, yeah, boys are stupid. They Vila's, then they stupid. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Vila's are stereotypically, well, in actuality, they're beautiful, and they have mm-hmm. some sort of illustrious allure. That people just fall in love with them and get in- entranced with them, basically. I was going to say guys. Guys, yeah. Males. Males. Not females. Yeah. Um, Although I wonder if a woman is a lesbian, if that works on them. Huh. Uh, we wouldn't know because JK didn't include any of that. <laughs> so there's um, that. So one thing about Vila's is that they all look super similar. So they're, be- they're women only. Yeah. So they're beautiful women with white gold hair and skin that appears to shine by moonlight. When yeah. angry, they take on a less pleasant appearance and their faces become cruel and bird-like. Oh, shit. I think that's Damn. just for full-blooded Vila's, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. V- well, we know, for one, Vila hair is super, super, like, powerful, it can yeah. become a core. We know that Fleur's wand actually has a single hair from her Vila grandmother. Now, I don't yeah. think that Fleur's hair would be, you could do that, but with a full Vila, like her grandmother was, I think you could. So yeah. they have a lot of very super magical properties. They actually are considered humanoids still. They're half human, yeah. half hum- magical humanoids from some sort of Slavic folklore you know, uh, I don't really know, but they're, it's not, it's not necessarily their presence that's seductive. It is their dance that is seductive. So that's what happens. They start dancing at the Quidditch World Cup and all the boys are like ready to jump over the balcony to try and get to them. That's fine. Um, Vila's can do magic without a wand. They can throw fire. Oh, they can cool. transform into harpy-like creatures, but only if they're full-blooded, as far as we know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're powerful and they're beautiful, yeah, and yeah. they people kind of snub them. Is it's they're more snubbed than they are oppressed, I would say, because they we don't get any idea of what it's like for full-blooded Vila's in Vila society, but we see yeah. people who are part of Vila, um, and it basically just pisses everyone off that they're pretty. Yeah, pretty much. Particularly women. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm sure they get, like, like Fleur gets a little bit, like, stereotyped that, oh, she's pretty and, like, mm-hmm. delicate and everything. So I'm sure there's some of that. Yeah, she meets but... a lot of hate from the ladies in the story. Yeah. She's never thought of as less, though. No. Like, her as an individual. Although the Vila's at the World Cup, people kind of, not that they're prostitutes, but people kind of, they're, like, hussies. Yeah. People think yeah. of them as hussies, which I don't really know that that's fair. But but no. Fleur, she doesn't, she's not oppressed because of it. She's a, a Triwizard champion. She's super brave. She's very talented. People yeah. think that she's vain, but I mean. She probably is a little. She, pro- she is. And that's, yeah. but you know, that's her culture. 
But it's, I don't think that she is not afforded opportunities because of her appearance. And so to, to me, they're not, she is not an oppressed individual. However, Vila's maybe, Maybe. we just don't know because we don't really see like full-blooded Vila's in action other than the, the, the wizarding or the Quidditch cup. So yeah. The only way I can see that it, like, really even affecting Fleur at all is that she may be, like, underestimated in some ways. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's like, oh, she's pretty. She can't be, like, a tough, like, warrior type. But, I mean, it's not like people don't want to accept it, like, once they're shown. You know what I mean? Like, she she's a Triwizard champion. Like, clearly she can hold her own. And nobody's like, mm-hmm. oh, how is that possible? She's so pretty. No yeah. one questions it. In fact, it, like, makes her, like, stronger for some reason so so that's why she's in this category um yep i'll do a little research on velas too sorry guys i haven't been prepared for these i'm busy same um so that's all we have to say on velas last but not least certainly not any least one of the largest groups that we see half-bloods squibs Muggleborns, purebloods, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Squibs, I think, would have it. They do have it hard when they stay in the wizarding world, but a majority of them go and live elsewhere, which is definitely still a form of oppression if you have to move to be accepted. But yeah. they they assimilate to the wizarding world or to the Muggle world just fine. And mm-hmm. so it's we only see a couple instances of squibs, so it's kind of hard to judge. I mean, obviously, people don't like Filch. That seems to have more with his personality than the fact that he's a squib. Yeah, because, I mean, he's kind of also a horrible person, so there's, you know, that. Yeah. (laughs) Muggleborns definitely have it the hardest in terms of the magical world. They have a lot more that they have to learn, but there's also a general sense that pure, of that, like, pure-blooded superiority within the wizarding world. Not from everyone, but, you know, obviously there are families like the Malfoys that think that people like Hermione are gross and dirty, yeah, um, I mean, which, it's a pretty prominent thing, like, enough that there's, yeah. like, multiple wars over it, so. Yeah, and they have mean slang for them, like, there are words yeah. for it, so. Yeah. <laughs> Half-Bloods in the modern era, and by modern era, the era that we read predominantly about, don't seem to have a lot of problem. They used to, like, back in the day, because Salazar Slytherin, quote, saw value in pure blood and didn't want to admit anyone that wasn't pure blooded, but it doesn't seem like half bloods really face a lot of anything in the time yeah. that we're reading. Now, excuse me, let me just yawn for like a very long. Oh my god, that's such a long <laughs> yawn. Okay. That was a really long yawn. That was a long one. It was just like we're doing it. Um, during the Wizarding War, there's a distinction on blood purity. During the general like day to day life, it's not. It only pops up when there is rhetoric for it to pop up for. Mostly yeah. involving the Slytherins. Which, yeah. guys, come on. And, <laughs> or having to do specifically with Voldemort and his beliefs. So, right. it's harder for Muggleborns, but there are also very successful Muggleborns. Oh, um, yeah. They don't really seem to face any teaching disadvantages, educational disadvantages, which right. is the main thing that we see them doing. Um, and it's Ron says, you know, there's not really anyone that's like pure blood anymore. So it's, it's phasing out, which, you know, I think is good that it's phasing out, but yeah, it's, um, stupid. We see, we see very refined instances of it. And this, this is almost like a race thing in my head. Um, obviously not that like, this is about race for them, but just 
with blood purity and it's a similar and lineage. Yeah, I get that similar parallel. So it's being phased out, which I think for the time was very appropriate that it's yeah. being phased out. But, you know, obviously there are still like some very old Southern families that believe very strongly in the power of white blood. And I'm thinking, no. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a no. That's going to be a no from me. It's going to be a no. That's going to be a no. So Mm -hmm. I don't have like a ton to say on it. We see a lot of instances of it because Hermione is a Muggle-born. Obviously, she rises far above her the comments of her haters. It's 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 also a topic that's been talked about a lot by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's very prominent in the series. Mm -hmm. So I think we've all heard like the main things about it. But yeah, so yeah. I mean, not to say that there isn't something there, right? but something that's being phased out, it seems like something that society is actively taking on, you know, getting getting rid of that idea. Now, obviously, the Wizarding War is fought over this, so yeah. not to say it's completely gone, um, oh, but no. with the defeat of Voldemort, things kind of do settle, and um, old money, pureblood families become a lot more accepting when yeah. there's no one to fight that battle for them anymore. Right. <clears throat> so, guys, I am still fighting this head cold. I cannot. Me too. Let me tell you. Since before New Year's, it's been over a month now. I just am oh. ready to breathe for really. Yeah. Mine's Ugh. just been over the past, like, couple weeks. So. Ugh, it's awful. So, yeah. that's really all I have to say on that. Um, I feel badly for squibs. I don't know. I guess it's weird as a, you know, if you're, like, a wizarding family, you have a kid who, like can't do magic but yeah i am sure it's hard it's it's difficult to integrate that they seem to draw a lot of parallels to disability with that that's what i was gonna say but but then the solution is that they just go live in a completely different world so i don't know that that's feasible yeah it's not feasible but i mean there's a lot of parallels like i know um there are a lot of different communities for people who have disabilities specific like uh specifically like down syndrome Mm -hmm. is one where there's been a lot of like different communities and living situations where it's a lot of people with similar disabilities trying to like live their own lives separately mm-hmm. so i mean that's yeah. kind of similar but yeah not yeah. and i mean i think that we should live in a world in a society where everyone regardless of disease disability or other should be able to function and, and absolutely and be welcome um yeah. So not that we're not saying that like it's good that squibs have to go somewhere else, but it seems like no, they no, no. found a way that it works for them right. because yeah. I mean like Miss Fig is a squib, and she seems to live a life that she likes yeah. as far and as we can tell. Filch too. Filch seems to like his life. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so, so I mean, it's not great, but it's, it's not, not great. Like but they're... it's not the worst thing that we have on this list. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> so that's that's. That's the nitty gritty of our stereotypes yep. in society. There mm-hmm. are probably plenty of magical creature, magical humanoid, et cetera, et cetera, that we didn't get on this list. These were just the ones that really stood out to us when we were yeah, reading like, the text. Like I can think of some other ones like leprechauns, but we don't have a whole lot of yeah, information just, on them. Yeah, there's just not enough to go off for somebody. So we did try to pick ones that either we had big exposure to or there was information readily available so that we could you know, articulate on it some if you feel like we've done a disservice to any of the ones that we talked about, or if there's one that's really important and you have information about, we want to know. You can yeah. reach out to us on pretty much any platform in the entire world. We are on Instagram at Lumos Maxima Podcast, on Twitter at Lumos Maxima Pod, and you can find us, um, you can send us an email at Lumos Maxima Podcast at gmail.com. 
we have gone a little dormant on our social media just because yeah. we're tired. Um, yeah, we have. And we don't like creating. Delaney does all the, like, graphic art stuff for us. So, you know, it just takes time. It's you know. hard. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't mean that we're not putting out episodes. So we do put out episodes every Tuesday. So, yes, we do. Um, I'm going to try and get a little more consistent with release updating that a new episode is out. But... If I don't do that, you can subscribe or get a notification on a lot of platforms when a new episode goes up, especially I know like on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe and you'll get notified as soon as we upload. So definitely go on and subscribe if you want to be the first person to listen while you're there. If you're in a safe place to do so and not driving like I am when I listen to podcasts, um, leave us a review. Give us a rating subscribe, like it, um, share it with a friend. I know that we are slowly accumulating some reviews. We would adore if you left us a five-star rating. And if you shared the podcast with a friend, we are putting out good content and everyone deserves to listen to it. Yeah. And I think you and I are both really excited about some of the content we have coming up too. So, oh my gosh, if you guys don't know, you're about to know we are starting our death episode next week. Woo! And not, it's not even an episode. It's a series. It's going to be a lot of yeah, episodes. Obviously, a lot of people die in Harry Potter. A lot of animals die in Harry Potter that have meaning to us. Rest in peace, Hedwig. So, yeah, seriously. We have completely foregone our spoilers adult content and language thing. Oh, so, yeah. We did. <laughs> Oops, I haven't please. done it in like, I think, a lot of episodes. Yeah. So, we'll try let's... and get back on that. But get super hyped. If you have input, content, questions, anything like that for our upcoming series hit us up we would love to include things that you want to talk about yeah that's probably gonna wrap it up for this week we are so excited for what we're having next week i love talking about some of the stereotypes in society because it's just so pertinent to our world right now so for sure be the good that you want to see in the world and do something nice for someone this week woohoo yeah and like if, I don't know, give a, two girls a rating who do podcasts. And oh my gosh, time. that would make my beat glow because nursing school is crushing my soul. Yeah, yeah, it's crushing you know. my soul. But life is crushing my soul. So <laughs> life is exhausting. They're like, you can sleep when you're dead. I'm like, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm no there. <laughs> I need time. that sleep. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for listening. We really do love each and every one of you that listens each week. We have like 75 consistent listeners now, which. Yeah. I mean, you guys have way too much time on your hands if you're listening Seriously. to us. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. But no, we really do appreciate it. And we would love it if you would just share the podcast with other Harry Potter fans. Because, you know, we're all dorks and we're in it together. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye.